Blog Talk Radio. News Radio Show. We thank you for joining us wherever you are listening. If you're watching on Facebook or uh, our StreamYard uh, live uh, version, you can uh, check us out there as well. Facebook at Pad Nation, um, Pad Nation 2 at Twitter, Instagram. We're all over the place. And of course, the line is 646 929 0130, the number to get in touch with us 
on the phones. It's uh, the eve of the time of this broadcast, the eve of uh, open elections, and people just can go and probably stand in lots of lines. We've had so many people, and upon millions of people already early voted, um, a lot of us has, myself included. And uh, the important thing is you need to get out and vote. We can get get into the discussions about what we believe um, in a few. want to bring in, I, have, I actually have two guests on the line to talk about some of this, to, to break down some of the battleground uh, states. Um, he is a Washington Bureau Chief and TV Radio Podcast host. He's Jim Williams, and he is a motivational speaker, community activist, and media personality. Uh, both on the line. He is Dr. Lee Bell. Gentlemen, appreciate you coming on this evening. Hope all is well. Always good to be with you, Ambassador, and uh, uh, nice to see you, Doc. Actually, nice to hear you, Doc. Well, same here. Thank you, L.A., for the invite. I'm going to have to get a key. <laughs> You're going to have to get what, you said? Going to have to get a key to get into the bachelor pad. Oh my God! No, oh, you, you look. You got no key. You just the door is open for you guys. For, 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 I mean, you know, Doc. We've been doing this forever. Um, yeah, I want to start it. with you, um, uh, Doctor Bell. And it, first of all, it, I thought it was laughable, and I don't know what the numbers were when Vice President Pence went to Flint, of all places. Not only, I just thought it was so disrespectful. You could tell me if there was a real crowd. You heard of some people cheering and booing in the background or whatever. They didn't really show much of it from what I saw. But not only to go to Flint, when you're dealing with water crisis, when you uh, are dealing with poor people, marginalized people, the people's, uh, uh, poor people's campaign, and uh, I, I, I saw the info they sent to me, so many people that they're, they're working with and they're getting out to vote. But I thought it was very disrespectful for him not only to come there and pretend like they love black people, right, and and poor people and marginalized, poor whites, but to say what he said in regards to um, policing and how Mr. Biden and Senator Harris, (coughs) excuse me, don't believe in in law enforcement and, and really talking about that blue wall. Like, I, did, I thought that was so disgusting, Doc. So what? what's your, your take on that? And did they have any kind of real showing when, when Vice President Pence came there? I can't truly answer that, L.A. I believe why they chose Flint. We have a member of our city council. As a matter of fact, the vice president, a black man on paper as of now who has been all over the nation on TV supporting Trump. So I believe that was the only reason they chose Flint. Pence has never been here before in all of the four years. So I believe it was truly a opportunistic And it's ironic to talk about police brutality. The city of Flint has a history of police brutality against black folk, myself included. 
as a mm. victim. We have a current Democratic prosecutor who is a player in plantation politics. There is a case that has been in his jurisdiction for about four to five years. Four young white boys threw a rock over a bridge, killing a passenger in a car. And there's currently a case where there's a young black man, 21 years old, got caught up in trouble, had a legally registered gun. It was his gun. He was carrying it in his car. He didn't know the rules. He was put on a youthful offender program. He finished the program. His probation officer did not close his case out. Three days later, the young man got caught with another gun. And the situation there was a friend of his came to his house the night before after a domestic dispute with his girlfriend. He left his gun under the friend's couch. He called the young man up and said, would you bring me my gun? I left it. He came out, and the neighborhood was swarming with cops. And you could see the gun. Mm. So so the young man right now is facing two. Well, let me back up. The young man agreed to plead and take a misdemeanor and spend 30 days in jail. The assistant prosecutor and the probation officer agreed to it. But then the prosecutor found out who this young man's lawyer was. The young lady had just run against this prosecutor in the August primary. So he yanked the young man's deal. Wow. He wants to give give this young man two felonies. So that's two strikes at the age of 21. We in the community believe this young man should get a second chance. Number one, the probation officer did not do her job. Had she released him from probation, the guns were legally registered to their owners. These weren't stolen guns. They've never been used in a crime or anything. So that's just the kind of politics we deal with in this community talking about police abuse, brutality, and also brutality and abuse from the prosecutor. And, you know, you make a point about a uh, a Democratic um, politician, uh, prosecutor, um, uh, Dr. Bell, before I go to Jim. Um, What did you, what what do you say to people, though, with, with all of that going on, and you bring up Democrat, and you had, um, you know, the former president and, and Mr. Biden um, coming to Flint. And, and this time, I, I just I have a real problem with it. Both camps, the, the one camp, you know, they they the devil anyway. But the other camp, I mean, they really haven't been reaching out, in my opinion, to Flint. Right. Nothing's changed. 
So, no, so but, now, uh, yeah. now you got Biden and all them coming there, right? And you guys are still in the same position you've been in with before. Now the water's fine? Or are you concerned about the water now? Like, I don't like either one of them coming at this time to Flint uh, with all the stuff you're going through. Well, well L.A., I did not go to, I did not go to the event precisely for those reasons you just espoused. They came empty-handed. Right. There was no they didn't bring even bottled water. There was no mention of the Flint water crisis. Totally understand your thinking on this subject. It's identical to mine. To Jim, be what, honest. what about that? You, yeah. you know, Jim, I, I just I just think, listen, you've been doing the, the numbers in Florida and Pennsylvania. And Michigan is, is big. It's no guarantee that Joe Biden is going to win that, that state per se, especially with the Electoral College, especially with Trump and this whole situation. So I, I just have I, – I think that it feels like they're dropping the ball like Hillary did. And these Midwest states to where they're they're waiting to the last minute to get out and show some appreciation. And I can tell you right now, black folks don't come out. That's a that's a wrap. You're a dead man walking. That's not going to happen. You will not be the president of the United States. Yes. If I may uh, jump in here, Jim, right quick. Yeah, LA, sure. They are running a stealth campaign. They are coming to town. Nobody knows where the H they're going to be. Uh, right. The event on Saturday, you had to be invited to it. Mm. And when Kamala came, same thing. They're doing these underground, uh, secretive stops in the city. So if they lose, it's their own fault. Mm. I I honestly can't speak for the campaigns, uh, you know, but all I can say is this. Um, I can't say that I'm surprised that um, that the former vice president and the former president would show up uh, or Senator Harris would show up and um, and play, um, you know, we're all concerned now. Uh, it's kind of brand, on-brand politics for both the Republicans and the Democrats to, sh- to forget about certain parts of the, of the country until – the very last minute and come in feign some sort of of concern about it and then leave town hoping that they've placated voters enough to get them to, um, to go out to the polls. Um, So I, I, you know, as to why, um, you know, Biden and, and, and president Obama were there and didn't address it or why they even came. um, I, the only thing I can say is, it looks to them and to them. I can't say this because I don't live in Flint. Um, that to them, it, it's a it's a bit of a photo op. It's there. It's a topic. It's a hot button issue. It's a Democratic hot button issue around the country. Okay, so they're trying mm. to tick the boxes in that regard. So that's about you know if I'm playing political, you know. I've been doing this now for 40 years. So if I'm playing political, why did they do it? There's boxes you tick, and you know, water crisis in Flint 
were they there? They got pictures taken. Yes, click go. Um, so did that mean it helped anything? Clearly, the doc knows a hell of a lot more about this than I do. So I'm guessing from what he said, the answer to that question is no, it didn't help anything. Um, but if you're asking for a purely political Machiavellian way, that's, you know, box, click, go. Um, you know, you've got the president of the United States, President Trump, playing defense. He will be tonight speaking, as, as you guys were talking about, you know, the idea of Pence showing up in in uh, in Flint. Um, <laughs> we've got President Trump is going to be closing his evening in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Mm. If that's not a deaf, you know, tone deaf concept, I, I have no clue what that's all about. Um, so, you know, we, this is we've always called it in the business the silly season and we beyond we're beyond silly now. We we've we have a president of the United States who literally is contesting votes before they're even cast. Mm-hmm. Um saying that tomorrow night he could um declare victory when in fact it is not the president of the United States who actually declares victory in a, in an election. Someone in the in you know in the White House might want to walk over and explain how the government works to the president. Um so I don't know. I, I gotta tell you. I mean it's this has been totally crazy. All the way what down do you, the line. What do you what are you seeing, hearing the both of you, if, if you can, in Michigan? And let me just add, too, um, over the last couple of days, and it, it really doesn't matter. I, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I, I am not worried uh, about this, but I bring it up to uh, in, in terms of, you know, with, with Trump saying the things he's doing. And I can't believe I actually right. said his name on this broadcast. Saying what he's what he's going to do and he's going to fight and it's, it's rigged and all that. I'm getting more hate stuff now on the broadcast than I have in quite some time. A guy told me yesterday he was going to lynch me. I was going to give him my address. Come lynch me. You know? I mean, just, just crazy stuff, Dr. Bell and Jim. It's just crazy. People just this, – this dude, it's well, going to be some kind of war going down. Look what I'm going to – this is – I wasn't going to bring this up because I thought we you know, wasn't going to have time. I do a lot of international work, and a lot of my clients are international. On Friday, I did a Zoom town uh, hall um, with the Middle East uh, and what you know a Biden presidency and what a Trump second term would be like in the Middle East. It was an hour that went on, and we had nine countries that were there. We had a panel of you know, former diplomats from the United States and from um, the different parts of, of the region out there, northern Africa and um, in the Middle East. And they, they spoke about you know, what they, they game-planned it out, right? At the end of it, um, the moderator um, asked for these people to go ahead and, and – Makes their prognostications, and you know, being diplomats and being people within the region, they they all, you know, basically said, well, you know, it's probably going to be too close to call. But here's the chilling part, okay? Three out of the four main speakers at the panel 
said that they were concerned that there would be blood in the streets of the United States on the day after the election, meaning Wednesday. Now, this is the Middle East, okay? They know a little something about blood in the streets, about elections, when they actually have elections, okay? And a lot of places, they don't have elections. Now, these people were being honest, and they were being sincere. They cared about it. And the thought that – and I'm getting texts. You know, my phone is blowing up constantly from people around the world just saying, be careful. You know, our prayers and our, and our thoughts are with you. This is people from around the world looking at America, and for the first time, the first time in my lifetime, and I'm 60 years old, the first time in my lifetime when we got other people wondering if we're going to have, A, a fair election, and B, if we're going to have blood in the streets. That, if that doesn't put a chill down your spine, uh, you know, it, it put a, a pit in my stomach that made me ill all weekend. Yeah, and you know, um, Dr. Bell, Michigan, again, I don't know what you're hearing in terms of polling, but we know the polling wasn't right four years ago. Um, But with that being said, you already had a plot against a governor, a sitting governor in the United States, where somebody wanted to kidnap her and behead her. I mean, 2020. So what do you think, Doc, is going to happen? And if... God forbid Biden does lose. Um, do would you see the same time type of uh, uh, anger and hate and animosity for those who supported him? Um, if that's the case, where he does lose, I don't think you'll see that from Biden supporters or the loss of an election. If there is animosity and energy of that kind, it will come from the fact that the Republicans have stolen two Supreme Court seats and all of the voter suppression and voter intimidation. It will all be a, a an accumulative effect. Right. It will be people, people just tired of the contradictions of America. That's my assessment. And uh, at 5.30, Biden was up, according to the polls, seven points. Mm. I I spoke to the um, supervisor of elections office in Wayne County um, uh, just out – well, everybody – it's basically for all intents and purposes a Detroit, Detroit area um, – I've been talking to the poll uh, – the I like to get raw data as much as possible, and polls are great, but raw data is better. Um, I believe that uh, I believe Biden will win in um, in Michigan. I don't think that's a problem. I think he'll win in Pennsylvania. Um, my the numbers I've got there are 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 solid. Uh, it's going to be close, but I still think that he takes Pennsylvania. I don't think Biden will win in Florida. I think that will go to um, go to Trump. North Carolina is probably as close to a toss-up as you can get. Um, we'll have to check on Arizona again. Uh, 
the, the last numbers I have were Sunday numbers, not Saturday, not Monday numbers, but I'll get numbers tonight from Arizona probably showing it's a toss-up, which means that that'll be decided, like Florida will be decided by um, the non, uh, you know, the independent voters or the voters who choose no party affiliation. Um, look, the path for Biden to win the election, he's got far more paths to get there to 270 than does Trump. That is not to say that Trump can't get to 270 because he can. Um, so I think that you know, we just have to take a deep breath. The most important thing I think people need to understand is we're not going to know tomorrow, and we're probably not going to go know for a couple of days who actually won, and that's okay because you know we need to have patience because there, when you count votes, you have to count every one of them. Um, mm. You know, one of the most important things that happened today. Um, was that a, a judge in Harris County, Texas, which is uh, Houston, for those who don't know, um, right. um, allowed 127,000 votes that the GOP tried to get tossed in Harris County from uh, from areas where Hillary Clinton did well uh, in Texas, tried to get them tossed because um, – they were done. They were legally voted. They, the votes were legal, okay, but they changed the rules toward the end of the uh, they meaning the Texas legislature, which is the Republican legislature, changed the rules toward the end. There is, there is, and Doc, I know you've seen it, and LA, I know you've seen it. There is literally voter suppression in plain sight being done. Right. And it, in our very, you know, it's not like you. It's usually people do this, you know, under the table, behind closed doors, whatever metaphor you want to use. This is being done in plain sight. Plus, you have the, not only the president, you have his minions running around saying we're going to contest it. There are, as we speak, three thousand, three thousand lawyers being spread out ready all over the country by the Democrats and the Republicans ready to contest any you know, pretty much anything. Yeah, Joe did um, this is uh Bush this is Bush Gore uh on steroids. Doc, um uh to to uh the poor people's uh campaign, I received the information about the poll monitors they're gonna have on the ground uh tomorrow. They've contacted two million low income unlikely voters in key states, like uh, Jim has mentioned, Pennsylvania, Florida, certainly, I'm sure, Michigan. As of Friday, they said 20% had already voted, which is amazing. Um, and they continue to do that. How much of an impact will groups like that and the NAACP trying to get out the vote? If uh, Obviously, likely voters have already been out there. The, the, I mean, the early voters have already been out there. But how, how much of an impact will those low-income folks who really need and want change going to play in these elections. And that, and, and we haven't talked about the Senate. We don't have a lot of time, but you know that the Senate is, is, is just as crucial, if not more. But how, how much of an impact, uh, Doc, do you think is going to um, play in this? I think it will have a minimal effect. During no, President Obama's first run here in Flint, we were able to garner a little over 10,000 absentee 
ballot votes. We have surpassed that over the weekend. Now, I'm encouraged because on Friday, there was a line outside of City Hall waiting to vote. Today, there was about a three-hour line to vote. So we haven't seen these kinds of numbers in quite, well, well, never. But there is a slight move where there are some groups on the ground trying to get to those low-income workers, the folks who normally might not have time to research the uh, people or have the time to vote. Maybe they're working two jobs one in Flint and one near Detroit. But it looks like there is a move of some of those young folks to uh, come and at least make an attempt to vote. Well, I'm going to tell you, um, uh, Jim, one sec. I'm going to tell you, if this is like, if if this is anything like Bush Gore, I was in Florida. We were getting calls at the station, the radio station I worked at, they were uh, pulling over people for the asking for license. They were doing license checks in the middle. The precincts weren't open, um, and I, we, we're going to monitor this our, ourselves, amongst ourselves, and making sure mm-hmm. we get the info out here, certainly in North Carolina, wherever we are. But Jim, let me ask you this final question to you, sure. um, and you can comment on what Doc uh, was saying. But the Senate, I mean, is in play. Um, right. What are you hearing? Do do the Democrats have a legitimate shot to win, or just they, they'll win a couple of seats and Mr. Magoo, aka Mitch McConnell, still be in charge? They they have a legitimate opportunity. My guess, my best guess, is that they can get a net two, um, which would put them if they can flip and do a net two. They can end up um, – they need that Michigan seat to stay, the, the Senate seats to stay. Um, and it, it was in time in a bit of flux. I think the, the Biden push in Michigan could get that him across the line. Uh, Mark Kelly out in Arizona looks like he's going to – you know that's going to be a flip. Um, Arizona, um, Alabama, they're going to lose Doug Jones. Um, so anyway – Worst case scenario at this point could be a 50-50 tie, and if Biden wins, then that means Harris is the tying vote. Uh, so I, I think they'll be able to flip the, the Senate. And one last real quick thing. Look, sure. uh, tomorrow's a very important day for everybody. If you're going to go out and vote, please go out and vote. But if you see anybody out there trying to intimidate you, please, if you see something, say something. Say it to sure. anybody. Make, do not allow anyone to keep you from doing your duty and doing what you're allowed to do, and that's vote here in the United States. I'm worried, yeah. though, uh, guys. I'm really worried, though, Dr. Bell, because I've run into people like, you know, uh, the president don't mean that he don't have any power anyway. I'm not going to – you know, it's a lot of cynical, a lot of pessimistic type of attitudes that are still out there from people that I run into – like they, I'm like, but you gotta vote. Like people, you want them to die in vain if nothing else. I mean, go and and and, and make your voice heard if you're that frustrated. That's the problem. You can't talk crap trash if you're not gonna go and and cash your your vote. Right, uh, La. I have a question for Jim. Jim, sure. what does 
What does Mississippi and South Carolina look like for the Dems? Unfortunately, not good. Um, at one point, Lindsey Graham was in trouble in South Carolina. He's kind of rallied. Uh, I think what got him across the finish line in uh, in, in there is the getting across uh, the deal with um, adding the justice. Um, you know, Barrett, uh, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Tony Barrett uh, to the uh, to the court might have saved it for him, and I thought Mike Esper had a chance in Mississippi, and he may still, but it's he's down uh, right now by four or five points. So I'd love to see that happen, and he's a good man, and he'd make a great senator. But I don't know that Mississippi's yet in ready to come into the new South. I don't think South Carolina is either. Georgia. Look out in Georgia. They're, they're yeah, Georgia might, is that in might play. be the state. Yeah, right. Georgia uh, might Mr. Be the place. Badu is he? He, Mr. Badu, he's that. You talk about blatant. <laughs> Jeez, that guy. He, he. I don't like you. I'm a racist. You know, I. Just, I mean, he might as well just say it. Like Trump. I mean, just come out and say it. I mean, um, Doc, but and, and Jim, but it, it's. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm hoping. I'm hoping for the best. I mean, the, uh, the Senate to me. Uh, it's just as important, guys, because if they can at least, like Jim said, if they can get a tie, and then of course, if Biden wins, then of course, um, you know, Mr. Magoo can go somewhere and sit down, and um, we'll be done with him. I appreciate you both. Thank you so much for your time, as always. With well. Let's talk again on uh, Thursday if we can, and do a recap. Mm-hmm. But thank you so much. Okay. God bless. Be careful. God be careful. Thank Have a good one, guys. Lady. See you Good later, Doc. Bye. Alrighty, thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks. Dr. Lee Bell and uh, Jim Williams are on the line talking some politics. More coming up uh, on the Bastion News Radio Show, the Bastion News Radio Network, and WCOM. Talk with Dr. Uh, Wilmer J. Leon. Getting into some more specifics with him on the show. Stay tuned. <laughs> Virgil Green and Chief Keith Humphrey. The show focuses on law enforcement and their relationship with the black community while letting you know your legal rights as a citizen when confronted by the police. Listen live every Tuesday night from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern at blogtalkradio.com and the podcast every Monday through Sunday at 4 a.m. and 6 p.m. Eastern at thebachelornews.airtime.pro.
Welcome back to the show. Don't forget, if you missed any part of this broadcast, you can go to our website, thebachelornews.airtime.pro, thebachelornews.airtime.pro, every day at 8 a.m. and at 3 p.m. Eastern uh, Standard Time, thebachelornews.airtime.pro. Back to the phones, bringing my next guest. He is a syndicated talk show host on XM Radio, and, of course, he's a best-selling author. Always good to have another doctor in the house. Uh, Dr. Woman J. Leon III. Doc, I appreciate your time uh, for making a house call, sir. Got a a little tech issue with him. We're going to get him back on the line. Uh, You're listening to the Bachelor News Radio Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network, WCOM and uh, Chapel Hill. back to the show. We'll go back to the phones and bring in uh, Dr. Woman J. Leon. Always good to have you on, sir. Can you hear me, Doc? Okay, we're not getting Doc on the line. We'll get Dr. Leon on in just a bit. You're listening to the Bassett News Radio Show on the Bassett News Radio Network.
929-0130, the number to get in touch with us. Press 1 to get on the line. Chat room is open. You can watch us and listen at Facebook, uh, Pad Nation, Pad Nation 2 at Twitter as well, on StreamYard um, also. Back to the phones, and finally... I'm great. I'm, I'm doing uh, another show right now. <laughs> We're Hello. Hello. With Dr. Wilma J. Leon. Uh, always Hello. a pleasure to have you on, sir. You got me now? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can uh, get can you. I hear got me now? you. All right. I can hear All right. You. <laughs> okay, good. cool. Good, good, good. Um, I wanted to um, find out what you've heard in terms of uh, some of the, the numbers. And, and what do you – do you think – the second part of my question is, do you think that the Biden team is making – did make the same mistake as the Clinton team four years ago where they weren't, they didn't seem like they were out in places. I thought it was very, to me, very both, you know, the the guy occupying the White House and the Biden team going to Flint with no water and no topics of, you know, they're going to fix things. Uh, I thought that was really stupid, but it is what it is. But what do you think about their uh, campaigning over these last couple of weeks, these last couple of days, and, and what are you hearing in terms of his of the national poll? And we know it's a poll, but what are you hearing? Well, I'm hearing that the national numbers are that Biden is leading Trump by about ten points. Um, I think that the campaign did make some very similar mistakes to the Clinton campaign. But I think that there are some real differences between 2016 and now. Uh, first of all, uh, when you look at the favorability numbers, Hillary people didn't like Hillary Clinton, right. and Joe Biden isn't having that problem. Uh, another issue that I think is relevant is that in 2016, there was no incumbent president running. Donald Trump now is running as the incumbent. He ran as the outsider in 2016. Well, you can't run as the outsider when you're the president and have been for four years, and all of the catastrophes that we find ourselves embroiled in are happening on your watch. So now he has to take responsibility for the things that, he, that, that are going on, even though he does not want to address any of them. And also COVID, a lot of the people that Donald Trump is trying to appeal to are being dramatically impacted by COVID. So you've got, uh, you've got the elderly, as Trump is saying, we've turned the corner. You've got, the, you've got elderly folks in these uh, retirement homes saying, oh, my God, no, this thing's, you know, running, running through here like bad sewage. So – uh, there are a number of factors that are relevant this time that, are, that make this different than 2016, even though I think Joe Biden has made some of the same mistakes that Hillary Clinton has made. Yeah, and I think, that, I think you pointed out the biggest uh, difference is the favorability. I mean, uh, they messed up running someone that half the country didn't, doesn't like. They, I mean, it, that was a, a failure in itself and, 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 and when you're doing that. What about the Senate races? Because we've been talking about this, Doc. We've talked about this on this on the show before. Uh that the Senate is crucial. 
Mr. Magoo yes. cannot be in charge, even if Biden wins, because they're going to treat him like they treated the former President Obama. So what are you hearing about? Do, do they have a legitimate shot to actually win uh, the Senate, the Democrats? Oh, yeah, they have a they have a very they have a very serious shot at winning at winning uh, winning the Senate. The Republicans are very, very concerned about the Senate. And one of the key races that I think you should pay attention to in in terms of not only the presidential race but also the Senate is Arizona. And I think Arizona is going to be a, a an indicator uh, because of the demographic shift that has taken place in Arizona over the last probably four years. You've got a lot of people that are that have moved to Arizona from California, from New York. Uh, a lot of people are, are retiring to Arizona. And you also have an increased number now of um, Latino voters that have come of age. And you also, I think the number was something like 600,000. And you also have a number of immigrants who have become naturalized citizens in in Arizona. So Arizona, and they, I think they've already started counting their mail-in ballots. So as soon as the polls close on the West, in the West, in Arizona, in Arizona they'll be able to give you a, a fairly good number. And I think that number will, will be an indicator of what's to come. Talking with Dr. Wuma J. Leon here on the Bastard News Radio Show on the Bastard News Radio Network. Uh, Doc, one of the, the most confusing things for me is Cubans in Florida. And I bring up that because of, you know, Florida being such a, a key state, you know, if it goes, it looks, you know, by the polling, it says it's going to be real tight. It's a sort of a toss up saying that about North Carolina as well. Um, but with Florida, it, I don't understand. Explain to me the Cuban vote and why they continue to vote Republican. Like Castro, not only is gone, that regime hasn't been in office forever. And like these kids, right, these younger people, say 40s or whatever, let's say not the older Cubans in the 70s and 80s, but these other people, they're still buying into this this Republican way. What is it about the Cuban Americans that they just don't seem to 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 want to, to to go more progressive? I say more to the left when it comes to voting. Well, I think the age demographic is very important, and I'll get to that in a second. Uh, but uh, when you think about uh, the uh, overthrow of Castro's overthrow of. Um, Batista, Batista in mm-hmm. in uh, in Cuba, um, you had a lot of Euro Cubans, white Cubans, that fled, and they fled with money. M- many of them fled with fled with money, and so they came to Florida. They established businesses. They became successful business people. So many of them uh, have a uh, an alliance or an allegiance, an alliance with or an allegiance to the Republican Party from the business side of things. And then also because uh, they uh, have wanted the United States to overthrow the uh, socialist government 
in 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 Cuba of the of the Castros. Their kids, though, who have who were born in the United States and have now come a voting age. Many of them are now in their twenties, mid 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 thirties, and whatnot. They have a uh, more of a inclination to vote Democrat, and that I think was evidenced by the Obama campaign of in both uh, twelve and sixteen. No, twelve, uh, eight and eight and twelve. Eight and twelve. Mm-hmm. Th- their parents, their parents voted Republican, but when you when you look at the age demographic of the Cuban vote, it was the kids that put. Barack Obama in office. It wasn't their parents, mm-hmm. and so that that hatred for Castro runs long, runs deep, and and those are you know that's political rhetoric that continues to resonate. And also understand now it's not only Cubans; it's Venezuelans and Bolivians as well. Right. You have a, you have a lot of Venezuelans that are in uh, in. Uh, almost in Cuba, that are in Florida, uh, they can't stand uh, Maduro, Nicolas Maduro, President Nicolas Maduro, and you've got Bolivians, and there was just a vote in Bolivia uh, that that just democratically overthrew the um, the U.S. backed uh, uh, regime that did the overthrow of I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. But the, the former president of um, of Bolivia, right? So, so you know, it's this whole Monroe Doctrine. Uh, you know, we can't have a socialist government in our backyard, even though these governments are democratically. See, that's one of the incredibly great uh, hypocritical things about the United States is we keep talking about democracy, 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 and we're going to bring democracy all over the world, even at the barrel of a gun. But then we overthrow democratically elected uh, governments simply because they're they're socialist and right. you have republicans in this country that scream for democracy but they're doing everything they can do to suppress the vote in this country right. it, it, it's incredible it's incredibly hypocritical you know it's it, um, i'm glad you pointed that out about uh, uh cubans when you look at the why hasn't biden done better with the Latino Latina vote uh, at this point, in your opinion? Because he's a 77-year-old white dude that still doesn't get it. Mm. That, that's, that's the simple answer. Um, and a lot of Joe Biden's politics are really not that far off of Donald Trump's politics. He just presents it better. That That's, that's that's the that's the primary thing, but with Biden and 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 folks, don't get me wrong. If you haven't voted already, you gotta vote tomorrow, and Donald Trump has got to go. You, in many instances, this isn't a vote for Biden. This is a vote against fascism in America, which is what you're dealing with with Donald Trump. So when I say this, please don't get it twisted. Uh, Joe Biden is going to give us an oppor- uh, space, more space in which to operate that Donald Trump is, will never, uh, the Republicans will never give us. And you've got to understand that what you're voting against tomorrow is fascism in America. 
That's that's you know where did he where did he get Make America Great Again? He got it from uh, uh, Benito Mussolini in Italy. Right. He Mussolini said Make Italy Great Again. Where did he get Drain the Swamp? He got that from Mussolini. Mussolini talked about he even quotes fascists. So right. Uh, you know, so so but but Biden Biden was part of the Obama administration and what was Obama's nickname? The deporter in chief. So hmm. so Biden's Biden has had a lot of ground to make up with the Latin community, with the Latino community, partially because he was part of the Obama administration. Right. And I think that gets lost. Uh, they 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 ran into the ground and deservedly so, you know, with the the crime bill that he supported under Clinton and everything and so that on and so help. forth. But that, uh, right, it certainly didn't help. Let me ask you, what about uh, just to play advocate? What do you say to people? I've run into some people now is saying, well, you know, the president doesn't have any power, so I'm not going to vote, or they're not going to make any changes. Very pessimistic people that just think that nothing's going to change in their lives. Not that the president of the United States overnight or anything, it it goes to the policies. What do you say to them? And what about, um, I was talking with someone who was talking about how, yeah, Trump is saying, make America great again. We know what that code, that's code for, but the Obama Biden administration, now Biden saying, let's go back to way the way it was. Well, shoot, the way it was, we were still getting killed by cops on the street if you want to go back to the way it was. So, I mean, there are a lot of people saying, well, the way it was wasn't so great either. I mean, Trump is horrible, but if we're going to go back to the way it was, we still not going to have health care. We still going to get knocked upside the head by the police and killed? I mean, it, what do you say to those people? To those people, I say that some of the greatest progress that was made in this country was made in the 60s through the civil rights movement and that if people now are voting for a president thinking that that president is going to do something well then they don't understand how the process works the question to those people is what are you going to do and what have you been doing and how engaged have you been in the process to bring about change lyndon johnson didn't like black people lyndon johnson didn't give a damn about black people Lyndon Johnson was an astute politician that understood the direction that the historic winds, or as, or as uh, uh, Dr. King said, the moral arc of history was bending, and he wanted to be on the right side of history. But what got us the Civil Rights Act? What got us the Voting Rights Act? What got us the Fair Housing Act? What got us the Fair Employment Act? It was activity in the street, people protesting in the street. It was it was our electing decision-making positions, and it was uh, uh, pressuring the legislature to pass legislation. It was those three things. Right now, what we see primarily happening with Black Lives Matter and all the protests, that, that's not tied to anything beyond the protest. And I don't say that to be critical of Black Lives Matter. What I'm saying is, Right now, when folks take to the streets and they protest, once the protest ends, there's nothing to follow it. There's no legislation that they're that they're that they're protesting for. There's no uh, there's no uh, 
person running for an elected office that they are protesting for or that they are rallying behind. They're out in the street protesting. And and, and when the protest ends, the protest ends. Let me ask you this, though. We in, in my hood, we used to say, you know, babies having babies. If you don't know, you don't know. In other words, if if people aren't feeling a some form of civic duty to vote or don't understand the history and call them lazy, whatever, then how do they get engaged? Like, how do you get I'll, them I won't to call get them, engaged? I won't call them. I won't call them lazy. I'll call them ill-informed because the NAACP is no longer the flagship organization that is out in the community banging on the door every day. The, uh, uh, the, the Urban League is no longer, we don't have SCLC and SNCC, and we don't have those grassroots organizations that are in the community being sure that people are informed and educated in understanding what it is that they need to do. And we damn sure don't have the the CBC isn't doing it, and and they should they should be at the forefront, and they're not right. because so many of them are there w- with Barbara Lee and maybe one or two others accepted. The rest of them are there getting paychecks, and they're and they want to see to it that they can stay around long enough to keep getting paychecks, and that means that they're not operating in our interest; they're operating in the interest of the Democratic elite. Hmm. I just got a text. I don't know how it connected it could be, but someone was talking about um, there in um, Austria and some Islamic uh, shooting took place and two cops yes. got shot and talks about the, the violence there. I, I, I wonder, Doc, what is, I mean, what is the world looking at in these elections at us, friend or foe? And then what what is this going to look like on November 4th? What is this going to actually look like? I well, what people, what what other countries are looking at in terms of looking at us is they're looking at us as being incredibly hypocritical, because because again we keep talking about democracy and all we're doing is running around the world oppressing as many people as we can possibly oppress, and we're mm-hmm. trying to overthrow as many democratically elected governments that don't toe our line as as we can as we can possibly. Uh, oppress and, and and I mean they're making statements. I, I wrote a piece called "The Unaligned Nations Realign," at uh, based upon Iran, Cuba, Russia, China, uh, their um, uh, their uh, statements at the uh, at the at the 75th meeting of the General Assembly uh, at the UN. What is, what is it going to look like on November 4th? Honestly, I don't know. And I got to say this, and I got to get out because yep. um, the numbers you would think, based upon the 71 million people that have already cast their ballots, and the fact that as an incumbent president, Donald Trump is running 10 points behind, you would think it's a slam dunk for Joe Biden. But the problem is, with not getting factored into the analysis, is the voter suppression numbers, which are right. going to be huge. So that's why right. I say we can't. I don't know what what what, what Wednesday is going to look like. Well, I know um, it was a okay. big decision. The lower courts there in um, Texas right. um, uh, I came up with the right thing. All right, Doc, I appreciate okay. you. Take Thank care. you so much. All right, all right. Doctor Wilmer J. Leon, syndicated talk show host and uh, best-selling 
author here on the Bastion News. We, we don't know what it's going to look like uh, uh, November 4th, and we don't know. I don't trust any of these polls. It says Mr. Biden is up by 10 points. Um, they were calling that four years ago. And instead, we got this guy. What do you think? You can call in 646-929-0130, the number to get in touch with us. Press 1 to get on the line. Uh, you hit us up on uh, Facebook at Pad Nation or L.A. Bachelor um, on Facebook, Pad Nation to a Twitter. StreamYard, you can go there, uh, .com, and, and, and listen and watch as well. LinkedIn, we're all over the place. And don't forget, if you missed the show, you can listen to the rebroadcast at The Bachelor news.airtime.pro that's T-H-E bachelor with a T bachelor news.airtime.pro show rebroadcast this show we have many other shows but this particular show airs 8 a.m. and 3 p.m. eastern time every single day Join Barry Barnes for Locker Talk on the Bachelor Pad Network as he presents NFL news and evaluates players Fridays at 9 a.m. Eastern at blogtalkradio.com. Greetings and great day, everyone. I am Elder Janelle Strickland, host of the Life Cafe radio broadcast from Maximizing Life Family Worship Center. I invite you to tune in every Saturday from 5 to 6 p.m. Tune in, maximize your life with the Word of God, and be blessed. Only on the Bachelor News Radio Network.
Welcome back to the show. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. You could be doing anything else and you decided to uh, be a part of this broadcast. We certainly appreciate that. I want to go to the phones, bring in my guest. Uh, she is a Ph.D., CLU, adjunct associate professor, Department of Health Behavior Director uh, and Carolina Sports Business Club, uh, and so many more things. Her list goes on and on, and it's a pleasure to have her on. I don't even know how many years it's been, uh, but good to have on uh, Debbie Strowman. And, and listen, I appreciate you coming on. I hope all is well with you and your family, and I, uh, I definitely appreciate you coming on on su- such uh, short notice. Absolutely. It's uh, good to be with you, and certainly there is so much going on in the world of sports and also being connected to uh, the other pandemic, uh, race and racism. Yeah, and, you know, when you – I always call you Dr. Deb, if that's okay. When you look at the COVID part of this with sports, um, even on the campus of UNC, the apprehension and all of the things that's going on with with the pandemic, especially affecting those who are – you know, black and brown, um, more so, many more times worse than other communities. Um, how do you feel about them, not just, I mean, people on campus just trying to get their degree and go to school, but playing the game? And and we've seen what this guy uh, occupying the White House with these big crowds and, 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 and how it's been af- uh, affecting people getting sick. This is real, like it's real. This and it's very sobering when you when when you find someone who actually you know who's been affected by COVID nineteen. But what's your thoughts on you know college sports? Uh, we know the money, but college sports actually trying to get all of this in in the midst of this COVID nineteen. Well, that is a big question, and it's definitely problematic not only for students. It's problematic for faculty. It's problematic for some administrators. And certainly we understand that a university does not stand alone. And when you're talking about an NCAA Power 5 school, you're talking about the impact that it has on a community, so how the health department feels as well. And so it is the perfect storm for trying to pay your bills, which football and men's basketball does for the um, the majority of the athletic department, and then also understanding that you have to put health and safety first. And so many would argue that the two just don't You can't put, you know, making money on the same level of health and safety, and nor should you. But there are those who understand that if the bills aren't paid, then the possibility that you might have to shut down your entire athletic department. And so it is a lot of head scratching, a lot of people coming together from different units, Uh, Not only, again, because uh, the big power five schools, most of them are big public institutions. And so it means that you have to bring people in who aren't only academics, aren't only sport administrators, but politicians. And so it is it is definitely a big, big challenge. One of the things I didn't like to hear is that students and student athletes, they're going to want a ball. It doesn't matter you know, football, basketball, men's basketball, women's they want to play in most cases. I won't say all of them, but a lot of them express interest. Listen, we can beat this. I'll wear my mask. I want to play. And for some different, uh, I won't get into specific 
uh, institutions, but some of them are saying, well, you know, the, the kids want to play. Well, they're 17 and 18. Of course they want to play. So you let them dictate, and because of that, you want to play. So that's one of the concerns I have. The other, uh, Doc, is the fact that you have, and you know uh, if you're in a Power Five like you are, uh, the HBCUs, they don't have the money of Alabama, right? You know, they don't have those things. So it's it's almost like a lot of them, and I've talked with a couple of commissioners, the pressure of playing, especially if they move. We've seen A&T move from the MEAC and went to a different uh, a PWI, if you will. Uh, the, the pressure to play in the midst and keep your schedule or forfeit all of this money or even be branded as, okay, well, we'll remember this down the road. If you're not going to comply and play like, you know, an Elon, just keeping it in, in locally in North Carolina, Elon as opposed to A&T, if, you, if they're going to play, then you have to play. Talk about those pressures that have to go into it because, again, as we know, sports is a microcosm of society. So the HBCUs are just like the black and brown communities. Like we're, it's going to be if it if it's really bad in in those uh, communities and and PWIs, it's even worse. And the pressure and all of the, the the money issues is even worse with HBCUs. Well, let's take the questions one at a time first. <laughs> but the first <laughs> one was going back to uh, the student athlete and who should be making these decisions. And there's no doubt that they are adults and many of them are independent and some are married and have families and responsibilities. And so you don't want to treat them as children necessarily. But on the other side, you hope that the administrators who have years of experience and many of them former athletes who understand that, especially when we talk about football and men's basketball, at the Power Five level, generally 80% of them believe that they can play at the next level. And being at a Power 5 school, that's really the litmus test. Can you, uh, can you even start? And if you start, can you contribute? And then if you contribute, then you're testing yourself against other players uh, on your team and the competition as to whether or not you could play at the next level. But, again, they come in thinking that, what are you going to do for me to help me showcase my talent so that I can be at the next level. And as we know, very few make it, let alone being drafted and actually making an NBA team for long term and getting a second contract. And so you have to have people to stand up and say, there's a bigger picture here because odds are, and especially after their first or second year, they realize that they don't have the talent. And so what are we doing to prepare them? What are we doing to make sure that they feel that same confidence that they have on the field and on the court? in terms of getting a job or starting their own business. And so the problem that I have with all of that isn't so much that the athletes are speaking up and saying, hey, I want to play. What I'm troubled by is when you have these coaches who are now saying that it is important for them to be on campus because their communities back home are just bad, as in the schools are bad, the transportation is bad, the food system is bad, everything around is just terrible. And so they're better off being on these big, uh, beautiful campuses that have great nutrition programs. They have the athletic facilities, the strength and conditioning, that all of this is better for them. And so the question is not that that statement is wrong, but how come you're saying it now? You're only calling out the poor conditions of 
some of these student athletes only because you need them to play the sport. Whereas you've been quiet, it's been like crickets up until this point. How come you haven't been talking about the communities that they come from and working for change? But you only speak up now that you need them to play the sport. Mm. Now, the second question around HBCUs, definitely, definitely challenged. But again, many of them signed up for this. They want to play. They want to keep up with the Joneses. And they want to uh, have all the branding and all the attention and all of that. And sadly, again, state or state universities, they're not getting the same uh, let's just say it's disproportionate in terms of their funding. And so whether you're talking about the Wisconsin system, the North Carolina system, the California system, uh, the Ohio system, the Georgia system, the bigger schools with the larger um, number of enrollees, they get more of the pie. And so now you have a pandemic layered on top of that, and you really see the uh, haves and the have-nots. And again, best intentions, but this is what the pandemic does. Uh, it really, really spotlights, you know, which are the programs that are going to get as much support that's available versus those who are just going to somehow have to survive the best you can. Or, as we're going to see, is more and more cuts. Uh, from my understanding, January is going to be a very, very challenging time on our college campuses across the country because there's going to be a lot of furloughs and layoffs. And I'm hopeful that it doesn't happen right during the holiday season, because that, that's just another uh, stressor to add during the holiday season. And that leads to a lot of mental issues. I'm sure you understand it, you know, with that stress um, uh, 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 around the holiday season, any layoff, a furlough or anything, I'm, I'm sure, will be really uh, uh, tough. Doc, when you look at the the way that college and pro, has tried to deal with this virus. Uh, the NBA, kudos to them, although they, you know, they had some issues, but they they got through it, right? They they played in a bubble and they got through it. NHL did the same thing. We don't know what with college basketball yet. Uh, college football, I, I don't know what they're trying to do. Baseball is getting through, um, uh, and then NFL is the plantation of all plantations, so they're going to play. Regardless, people get sick, they're just going to line them up and keep playing. Um, that's the way the NFL do it, although they print money. They all do, but the NFL certainly does. Um, but from the, the, the NBA, the, I mean, from the, the basketball standpoint in, in college, men and women, as you uh, certainly uh, understand and, and cover, what what can they do? And, and will we see, we don't know anything much of uh, of anything about this virus, um, you know, you know, when those stages to understand it, but what can they do moving forward to try to, you know, sort of minimize uh, the the issues and even the concerns that some like us would have in playing in these arenas? Well, is the epitome of a big sales pitch. That's all you can do because they're just so many different varying opinions in terms of how to respond. There are some people who say it's not worth it at all. I'm quarantining. I don't need the president to tell me to quarantine. I don't need, you know, my family members to tell me I, I'm just not going to risk it because of those unknowns. And the unknowns aren't short term, as in there are some people who've watched and observed and seen that there are people who get through it. And, uh, and that's a wonderful thing. 
And so they have this sense of it's going to be really, really bad, but I can get through it. But then there's the other folks who understand it doesn't matter if you get through it. We don't know the long-term effects. You know, we've heard everything from people will continue to have uh, a sense of, like, ants burning in their shoes. We've heard of people still having uh, breathing uh, issues, uh, you know, months later. Uh, we've heard of people not being able to gain their sense of smell and taste. And so, indeed, you might survive, uh, you know, one bout of it, but we don't know what's going to happen a year from now, five years from now, or maybe, you know, when you're an elder and, you know, they take a look at your, your tests and you see that your, your certain parts of your body have broken down all due to that one bout you had way back when. And so there are some people, again, who are quarantined and they don't need to be instructed. And then there are others who say, uh, I need to go out. I need to go and function. I, I can't operate like this, uh, whether you're an introvert or extrovert or ambivert. And so they're taking more of a risk. I'm just hopeful that the marketing and the push, because there are no requirements, right? There's no requirement that you put on gloves, no requirement that you wear a mask. But I'm hopeful that people say that I do need to engage. I need, I'm a social being. I need to get out, that they will at least um, think about others. You know, the, wearing the mask is not really hard. It's not like we're asking people to wear a bulletproof uh, vest around their chest that weighs, you know, 10, 15 pounds. You know, a mask is not that um, it's not that big of an intrusion in our lives. You know, if you wear glasses, the worst thing is that your glasses get fogged up and you just have to raise them a bit every once in a while. So I don't think that's too much to ask. And then the other group that needs to be marketed to, and probably they need instruction as a requirement, are those who just don't believe in all this, that it's just a hoax and it's just the media making stuff up. And they're the ones who are running around acting like, uh, this is one day it will disappear and it doesn't really matter and, you know, give me a hug, give me a kiss, you know, we're going to be okay. And those are the ones that are a real threat to all of us. And, you know, the pressures on athletic administrators and um, sport managers to try to manage that mindset of those who will, would come out to a game and really not comply with any of the arena or stadium requirements that, or recommendations. And so that's where it gets really, really dicey. Um, I would hope that anybody who says that I want to go ahead and be social and support my team that decides to buy a ticket or go out would be in that second or, in, or second group where you're willing to comply because you care about everybody and not just yourself. And some people don't care about other people, and that, and we know. That's right. And the, and the mask and don't wear it, and it's going to go away. We know where it comes from the top. Uh, we're, mm -hmm. talk, we're talking with Dr. Debbie uh, Stroman, of course, here on the Bastion News uh, radio show on the Bastion News radio network, WCOMLP, Chapel Hill and Carborough. Doc, I want to talk about, before you go, uh, uh, about the advancement of the black athlete. And 2020 has been really hard, from Joe Morgan to uh, some of the greats and and football and, 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 and yeah. baseball. We John lost Thompson. John Thompson. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it, look at what he did in giving mm -hmm. all these opportunities to, to the Allen Iversons and all these other kids that came through uh, that played for him and the, the Bob Gibsons and all, all these great people. And, and some people, I had a conversation with someone earlier that said, you know, uh, part of the advancement, if you will, 
of the black athlete has been socially, economically, and even sociology, it's socially uh, uh, been a detriment to us as a people. Again, sports being a microcosm of society in which that we have um, feel like we've overcome in the midst of uh, sports and in entertainment, of course, but not really having the uh, the political power, the, the, the power to bring forth change for these communities. What do you think about that? That, that um, have we done enough? It, it, is is it been sort of a uh, a hindrance because of some of the successes and the the you know Michael Jordan this and Jackie Robinson this, the first black this and the first black that? Has that been something good for us long term uh, up until this point, or something that's been really detrimental? to us as a people? Well, there's no doubt that we've made progress in all domains. You know, whether it's the arts, whether it's sport, whether it's business, whether it's politics, I mean, the environment, I mean, everything, we have made progress. But certainly we have not advanced to the point where we can say we are equal or, more importantly, that we have equity. And that's the difference. And so I want to mention that I am very, very happy to be a part of a new organization, a new nonprofit called Advancement of Blacks in Sport. Uh, people can visit We Are ABIF as an Advancement of Blacks in Sports. We Are ABIF.org to learn more about us. But we are indeed working on those different aspects within the sport arena, the athletic arena, where we're pointing out the inequities, where we're pointing out where we are not getting our piece of the pie. Uh, so, yes, it was great to have a uh, Arthur Ashe, but, you know, look at Serena and Vina. Where are the others? We've got Osaka now, but we believe that there should be so many more. You know, when we think about football and we think about, you know, the guys who, who came before us in that sport, and, yes, we have Patrick Mahomes and we've got, you know, Russell, you know, Russell Wilson. So, but again, we want more. Um, you know, when you think about women's basketball and, you know, think about that we still have C. Vivian Stringer and now we have a Dawn Staley, but still we want more. And so on the, full, on the, on the uh, in terms of performance, yes, more athletes, more black athletes are getting that opportunity. But now we're looking at what is the experience. Are they getting the top doctors? Are they getting the best equipment, you know, going back to the HBCU experience. And then we have to look at management and leadership and ownership. And, yes, we have a Michael Jordan. Um, you know, we have um, some others, you know, Magic Johnson, the Dodgers. But still, we want more. When we look at it from an economic perspective, we have athletes on the field and on the courts, and we've got people who are athletic directors, Carla Williams at Virginia, but then we think about, well, what about all the business that comes from the enterprise, as in the supplier diversity? We want to see more black businesses get a cut of the construction contracts, the concessions opportunities, all of these things, the uniforms. And so we still have a long way to go, and there are many people now who've become awakened or at least have found the right platform and organization that they can join so they can be a part of this movement. And we are, you know, ABIF is black-led, uh, uh, 
but our team of people all across the country are white, brown, and black. Awesome, and uh, we're going to give that information again. Let me ask you this. Uh, some people feel uh, that infiltration, I mean, uh, integration had led to infiltration when it comes to sports. Is that part of the reason why uh, we are not in ownership and the economic positions that you've been talking about? Well, there's no doubt that when you talk about organizing and affecting change uh, in the race uh, racial perspective that brown and black people need to work together and white people need to work together as in conscious white people need to talk to other white people and brown and black people need to work together but then at some point hopefully sooner than later we all need to come together and so when you talk about infiltrate you know i i hear the word spy and people trying to thwart the the general mission and sadly, I can say that that just doesn't happen with white people. That just happens to anybody who's unconscious. You could have a black organization that's been infiltrated by a non-conscious black person, right? So it doesn't matter in terms of uh, the race of the infiltration. The point is the consciousness and whether sure. or not you're really uh, fighting for racial and uh, equity and justice. Uh, but I do believe that brown and black people need to work together more, and I believe conscious white people need to work together with one another and also work on those not work on those white people who aren't conscious um, before we can come together and, and affect positive change. Yeah, and you know when you, I, I think too one of the concerns I have, and I have always been, I mean just on the court wise, I think the women's game especially the the WBA and the college game, is more fundamentally sound than the men's. I've been saying that forever. They pass the ball, they, they screen, they pick and pop, they do everything. The men are, you know, they shooting threes, they dunking the ball, and some of them have fundamentals and stuff. We understand that, but the the game is evolved into just, you know, who can jump higher and run faster and everything else. But the, the women's game has always been fundamentally, fundamentally sound to me. With that being said, in terms of the equality in the midst of black and brown people, uh, there is one of the if, – if, if black men economically aren't reaching uh, the pedestal, aren't being at the table, aren't having – they're not having the ownership, then just imagine, of course, you, do, you know the numbers – it's even worse for black women. So what do you say about that in terms of getting black women up to speed, black and brown women up to speed in the midst of a, a, a time where we're trying to get equality as, as a race? Definitely a challenge. The other side is, if you flip it, is that the expenses aren't as enormous for women than for men. And so if that can be said that there is some hope, so you don't have to have a billion-dollar industry. But on the other side, we know we have inequities. And certainly, if you know, you're talking about the college level, uh, there are federal laws in place, you know, Title IX, uh, to try and manage that. Now, are still people breaking the rules or cutting the corners? Absolutely. And so that's why you have, you know, the, the feds coming in and taking a look at athletic departments when there's a whisper, uh, when there's a whistleblower. Uh, in terms of equity is not happening. Uh, but, yes, it is definitely a big, big challenge. And, you know, I do believe that these broad-based programs where you have 
NCAA Division I schools who are trying to manage 24, 28 sports and putting a lot of that burden on football and men's basketball to raise money so that you can take care of country club sports. And I'm not here to, you know, to speak negatively of those sports. I love field hockey. I love golf. I love tennis and all of that. But due to the financial demands of trying to run an athletic department at top levels for every sport, it just I just think it's an unfair burden on those athletes. And, again, going back to the racial lens, uh, you know you're talking about brown and black young men who are, who are doing the heavy lifting for the entire department. And I don't think it's bad to cut back on some of these sports. Uh, because I still think the experience will be amazing. Instead of getting six pair of, you know, cleats and shoes, now you only get three. You know, instead of getting, you know, a five-course meal, you know, seven days a week, you know, maybe that only happens five days a week, uh, as opposed to getting, you know, as many uniforms as you need. Again, there's a ways that ways that we can cut down and reduce the expense side. Uh, as opposed to just thinking we just have to make more and more money, more and more money, which means more commercialization. Well, two, two points. Uh, you know, UConn just had a uh, – the, there was a uh, – uh, some women in the in the sport. I can't remember which sport that um, filed a lawsuit and won uh, because of the um, – Disproportion in terms of the their their salaries to men. Yes, that was UCon- a reset. Right, yeah. right, and, and other schools, right, and universities as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so kudos to them. The other thing is too, uh, to your point. I think let's let's not be uh, again. Don't be unrealistic. You know, football and basketball is driving everything, and you get academias on on campus in some cases and. And others that might be the volleyball coach, no disrespect to volleyball, that feel like okay, you know, their 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 sport is important, but they're but they're not driving the revenue. So let's just be real about it. Like, stop playing these games. And to your point, you can do it in a in a manageable way. Um, but those are the two big ones that are really driving the revenue that comes into these athletic departments. Absolutely. I mean, that's pretty simple. Um, but again, for for whatever reason, uh, we there are still departments out there that are continuing to try to, you know, have a big, big athletic department, and uh, and then you have a COVID nineteen that just interrupts uh, the budgeting process. So again, stay tuned. Uh, people who think that twenty twenty was challenging. Uh, 2021 is going to be challenging as well. Yeah. Before you go, please do give out the website uh, so folks can um, get involved and, and and get more information on what you're doing. Sure. So I do have a center of sport business and analytics, and I will have my annual basketball analytics summit on April 16th. And you can visit my center website at thecfba.com, as in T-H-E, C as in Charlie, S as in Sam, B as in ball, a4apple.com, vcfba.com. And then if you're interested in learning more about advancement of blacks in sports, the website is weareabis.org. Well, we're going to post this on our website. Dr. Deva, look, it's been a pleasure. Uh, don't be a stranger. We'll get you on more. You continue to do what you do and be safe uh, uh, in your travel. Thank you. Appreciate it.
so much fun So now how could we both forget Telling each other we're the ones We would make love At the drop of a hat Remember that? Yeah I remember you and me Places in it you can be Now the strangers in the night Awkward in the dark Oh baby, do you wanna make it Radio Network and our friends and uh, the sister station at WCOM um, in Chapel Hill and Carborough, uh, North Carolina. I want to go back to the phones, bring my good friend, longtime friend and, and colleague. He's the editor of uh, BASN Newsroom. He is Tony T. Mac McLean. And T, always good to have you on, sir. How you doing, Mr. Thomas? <laughs> good. <laughs> Listen, um, we, we, we talked with Dr. Deb and she was talking about the advancement of, of, of black athletes, uh, certainly from the economic standpoint, ownership. We've been preaching that forever, it seems, uh, the two of us and, and others. Um, but when you look at the uh, on the ground, when you look at, say, Cam going through what he's going through now, he, he struggled a bit, but they, they were going to blame him 
for for the Patriots struggle anyway, or Mike Tomlin not getting the credit of being, you know, um, some people say that the best coach in football now. What what he did with the Steelers last year with no coach, I mean, with no co- quarterback, and now what he's doing uh, with them now. If we can't get um, the inroads, not so much the accolades, like you said, but it. You know, talent speaks for itself. It, it, everything speaks for itself. But we can't get the inroads on the ground, the ground level, in the trenches. How are we going to push forth uh, ownership in the long term? To our own leagues. Take mm. the attitude of the. You have to take the attitude of the old Negro leagues. You don't want us to play your game. You don't want us to prosper. Okay, we'll do our own thing. I think that's what it, I think that's that's basically what it has to come down to, um, and there'll be people that will say that's unrealistic and you know and all that stuff, and that's all well and good. But see, that's the only way that you, you know you cannot you know if you wait for your oppressor to to free you, you will you will die a slave. The right. thing about the the, the thing. One of the reasons I've always followed – I follow the Negro Leagues a lot, and, you know, ironically, this is the 100th anniversary of the, um, of, of the Negro Leagues this year. Their attitude was real simple. They knew that, you know, quote-unquote, Major League Baseball had the gentleman's agreement to not play uh, – to not hire black players. So they said, okay, no problem. We will come up with our own league. We will be equal to, if not better than them, and we'll go from there. And the success of the major leagues, you do, the success of the major leagues, uh, you don't have the success of the major leagues without uh, the Negro leagues. And it's beyond Jackie. It's beyond you know Larry Toby. You know, it's beyond um, Hank Aaron. It's beyond Willie Mays. It's it's the lasting. Baseball would have never become the national pastime without the contributions of the Negro Leagues and their brethren, plain and simple. And the NBA would not be where it was without the uh, the uh, Black Fives from back in the day, you know, the, the, the Harlem Renaissance, um, the teams in D.C. that played in the, um, that played in the ballroom. Uh, mm. The NBA would not be without the Harlem Globetrotters. You know, uh, the Globetrotters uh, were kept off, were kept out of the uh, out of major uh, out of uh, the NBA. Same thing with mm. the NFL. The NFL had their uh, gentlemen's agreement until, matter of fact, they integrated a year before baseball did, and football changed dramatically. How would football be different? If there wasn't a Marion Motley, if there wasn't a Jim Brown, if there wasn't a Walter Payton, if there wasn't a um, Gail Sayers, and so on and so on, and 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 hockey as well, hockey would not be the same without Grant Fuhr, without um, Michael Greer, without uh, Jerome McGinley, you know, without t- uh, Tony McKechnie, on and on and on. Golf would not be the same without Tiger Woods. Tennis would not be the same without the Williams sisters and uh, Arthur Ashe. 
and and um, Althea Gibson. Um, there just comes a time when it's like, you know what? If if you know, this was way, we'll recognize we're, we're never going to get the kind of recognition we deserve. And I don't say right. that as a give up. I just say that as as a fact. And I think. You have to start off with something like what Ice Cube uh, did with the Big Three. Do your own thing, you know, and let them come What's to the you. What's the difference, though, T? What's the difference in 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 twenty twenty and even the Negro Leagues to do that? And how how would that look in terms of people really buying into? Because you know, even our own people are cynical. You know, that's oh, not good. So, well, I'm just watching the NFL. You know, I'm not well, going to watch that. Well, 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 I mean, well, I'll, the Negro, I'll, I'll use the Negro Leagues as a perfect example. Sadly, after Jackie and Larry integrated baseball, Negro League baseball fans basically, you know, mo- mo- the majority, not all, the majority of your Negro League fans, went, you know, became Dodger fans or became uh, Cleveland Indians fans. And whenever there, one of their guys came, you know, they, they became a fan of this. That's, you know, that's still going to happen. But um, I do think that if you put out a good enough of a product that people will come. But, see, unfortunately, look, and, again, I don't say this to just give up, but it's just folks are never, uh, unfortunately, uh, even our own folks are, aren't going to gravitate towards um, you know those 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 leagues because they look at it as like you know they had to thrive back in the day because of the times but fundamentally it's still it, it's basically still the the mindset is still there for the most part right you know let me ask you this too especially in the ownership especially in the ownership part so let me ask you this, because again, we're talking about our people being very cynical. And is it is it more of I don't want to say laziness. Let's just say we're conditioned to watch the NFL, NBA, and then we if we had this black league, like you said, what Ice Cube did, um, is it just it won't work? We just have this belief that it won't work? Or do we feel our product is inferior? We talk about that all the time. People want to advertise. They think if it's not ESPN, then it's got everything else must be subpar to it. Well, we've been, you know, Joe, you know, this is not just me saying this. Uh, Joe Madison, the Black Eagle, uh, who's on a serious uh, XM satellite, We've been culturally conditioned to think that anything and everything we do is inferior. The white right. man's the white man's uh, water is colder. You know, there was you know just everything and anything we do, even though, you know, even though we know it's not true, but you know, in, in a lot of people's eyes, sadly, it is. And mm. it would you know, I don't know you know. There is no magic pill, in a sense, to um, make that changeover. It's something that um, eventually does ha- is going to have to happen because, look, that's the last bastion, really, of sports. I don't, I don't, you know, 
I don't really count Michael as a as a as a black owner. Michael is just there because right. he's Michael. I don't. Yeah, you see, he's trying to do all this get out the vote bull shit well, now, no, and all. He's late to the party. I'm sorry. But yeah, he's but late see, to the but, party. But 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 you know what? I can't beat on him for. I mean, yeah, he's late, but we can't have it both ways. We can't get on him when he doesn't do anything, and then when he does something, we want to beat him up too. We can't beat him up all the time. I mean, I, I get it. I but get but it. it just doesn't seem genuine though, because he's late I, to the party. You I know what I'm saying? Don't seem genuine. It's, it just seems like you're doing it for money reasons. I having these town hall meeting with a, a sister that I had her on the air. I can't think of her name right now. Um, but he's doing these little meetings about the black vote and uh, like I, I get you. I I I will this way. I will say this. They've all been happening within the last twelve months or so. So. That's got to mean something. And, again, I'm no Michael fan, but, again, I see what's going, you know, I see what's going on. And, and yes, Michael's, Michael, you know, look, Michael's going to rue the, you know, sad thing. You know, there's going to be people that are going to remember him because of the Jumpman logo. But whether he wants to admit it or not, a lot of people are going to remember him for, say it with me, Republicans buy sneakers, too. That's right. That's right. But a lot of and you know what? The, when you think at a two T, as we we look at baseball and 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 we've been uh, again forever saying, and we'll get you know to some of the, the offseason stuff, but we've been saying about how you know they're going to they're going to look at the, our 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 cousins, our brown cousins, and pay them. They don't speak English, so they don't have the, the some of them, so they don't pay them a lot and stuff. We we know. The, the conditions in Venezuela and some of these other places, but you got a Mookie Best, Best that has an opportunity, and I know he's actually has spoke about voting and stuff. That in that in that vein, it, can he catapult not just the cultural, the social, cultural, racial part of this 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 thing when you see LeBron doing it, but also engaging young people that to bring them back to baseball. Because again, I played. I loved baseball. I love. I couldn't wait to play baseball. Then you kind of get sidetracked because baseball don't want to love you. So then you know, as a black person, so then can can, can Mookie be one of those guys that kind of does it both socially on and off um, the field for baseball? He can't do it all alone. He's got to do it. He's got to do it all by himself. You have to. He has to. He has to um, have other folks. It, it, he can't. It's it's to be quite honest with you. It, it's not fair to even have him be the guy. He has to. Right. He has for something for the, for 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 the needle to move. We're going. There's going to have. There's going to be a lot of things that have to happen. If he can be the face of it, that'll be great. But I don't think. I, I don't think. Um, I don't think it's fair to have him be. The spearhead. He needs, he needs Curtis Grandisons. You know, he right. needs uh, Dominic Smith. You know, he needs, um, you know, former players and guys in the game, like um, say a Bo, like a Bo Porter. Uh, for DC. you know, we lost a great ally with Joe Morgan because one of the things right. that 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 was never that was never uh, talked about a lot was a lot of the stuff that he did behind the scenes 
in trying to push baseball. Because remember, Joe's you know Joe's old Cali guy, so right, you know he he so so he's seen the ups and downs and what have you. And see, the thing about it is, there's a lot of other nameless folks who are not as famous as Mookie that are doing the thing. We all know what um, Sean Gibson's doing in Pittsburgh, keeping right. alive uh, Josh Gibson's name. You know, you got guys like C.J. Stewart in Atlanta that are trying to do things. There's groups of folks in Chicago that are trying to push the game. You know, not just, you know, I, I throw out Curtis Granderson because we all know what he's done. C.C. Right. Matthew, who just started online of uh, Negro League um, uh, paraphernalia as well. It's got to be, it, it can't be, it can't be just, and see, this is this is what sets us apart from white folks, and you can take it if you if you if that comes across as being somewhat prejudiced or whatever, so be it. We can't do this all by ourselves. It has to it it has to be a collective group effort. And you got to be some conscious white folks in there, is what you're saying, right? It, so you know what? I'll be let me let me just be totally honest. I always take the attitude of you know the scene in in uh, Spike Lee's Malcolm when uh, Malcolm was about to speak at uh, I guess it looks like an Ivy League college or whatever and a quote unquote conscientious white woman comes up to him and says you know I understand the struggle and you know what can I really do and he says nothing and exactly you, you know, get in line you get in line if you want but but you know this is something we're gonna have to do on our own. Right, because Major League Baseball will do but so much, and they'll. But but see, I I said this before, and I said this again. A lot of it is going to have to be grassroots stuff. It's going to have to be stuff that's quote unquote not sanctioned by Major League Baseball. It's going to have. We're going to have to take the Negro Leagues approach to it in the sense. And again, it's not something that's going to happen overnight. It's not something that's going to. You, it's not something where you, where you can just take a magic pill and, and, and it'd be all done. Because see, the sad thing is, excuse me, a major just 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 staying on the major league level right now. As bad as the numbers are now, the numbers are going to get worse before it turns around. I I, I think right. I don't think you'll ever get to where it's where where it's just Jackie and just Larry Doby. But it's going to seem like it because the num because there's 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 not a big feeder system. Yes, there are num there are more numbers of kids, black kids playing the game. It's it's, but the thing is, they're all relatively young right now. I mean, what's great is that we're seeing like the you know the Tim Andersons out in the for the for the for the White Sox. Um, you know, you're seeing. Uh, you know, and, and again, it comes as in, it comes in bunches. I was reading something and watching something the other night when Charlie Johnson, the old uh, Marlins catcher, um, retired. He's the last black catcher in Major League Baseball, mm. and he's been retired for at least ten, fifteen years. Now you got to remember, black catchers. Let me see. Uh, Roy Campanella, MVP. Um, Elston Howard, MVP. Um, Earl Batty, All Star. 
you know, those uh, unfortunately, and, and, and you know, Charles, Charles was a fair to Midland catcher in his day, you know, perennial off. Right. We you know, got to the World Series with the uh, Marlins, if I remember correctly. But, sure. And, and, and then when you also think of who we've lost over the, you know, just in this last um, 12 months, you know, you know, and, and, you know, we're losing, you know, we're, we're losing Hall of Famers, but we're also losing, you know, former Negro Leaguers. We're losing, you know, we, 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 you know, we're losing guys that we all grew up watching who may not have been quote unquote superstars, but we remember them for, you know, we remember that back in the day, it was, you know, there were, there were, there were more, there were more people that looked like us that were playing. And, and I, and I think too, to, to, to your point, Tony, with like a Joe Morgan or something, those guys um, pushed the game, but even going further back, you, 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 you talk about Jackie or any, and, 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 and that era and everything, they, they worked also like off the season, like they had jobs and they, they pushed black, uh, young black kids, not only about the love of the game of baseball, but education and getting a job. And if it doesn't work, they they pushed the fact that it wasn't, it's only 1% or less of that that makes the NFL NBA. They pushed it. Understand you got to have something to fall back on. I don't know if we're doing that. If we talked about Jordan, and I'm not, again, I'm not just, it's not about him. I'm concerned not just about that, but I don't want Jordan to be lumped into CC Sabathia. In other words, Jordan to me, well, listen, listen, Jordan, Jordan to me, obviously is doing his vote thing because it's going, it's marketable. So he's going to make some money. CC's doing it. Sure. He'll make some money, but he's doing it. Hey, what about the Negro leagues? Guess what? This is what remember back in the day. So I don't want them to be lumped into the same thing. Well, no, no. Any anybody, any any anybody that lumps them into the same thing is a complete and utter moron, a twenty-four carat butthole. You know, anyone, and I'm talking about anybody, black, white, or whatever. And see, CC was doing this while he was playing, and he's and he stepped it up after he's playing. Again, I'm not. You know, it's it's not as you know. I'm not. I don't want to make it sound like it's just so simplistic. But again, it's going to take. A group effort, and it's not gonna, and 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 we not necessarily are gonna have to need or get help. We're not gonna necessarily get help from the the folks that we think about. I mean, look, just use Jackie's example. Now, every year in the town that he lived in for years, and we both we both have been there. Jackie Robinson Foundation has an afternoon of jazz out in uh, Stanford. They've had that for like, you know, years and years and years. Matter of fact, ironically, the last time that I actually physically went to it, sadly, it was the same day that Roy Campanella passed away, which cast a real pall over the whole uh, proceedings for folks who uh, knew who he was. Sadly, there were a lot of people who I who were there that had no idea what Roy Camp, who Roy Campanella was and that's disturbing in and of itself. But um, it's it's a you know I hate to be wishy washy or whatever, but it's it's going to be it's going to it's it's not going to take a miracle per se, but it's going to take a little while. It's going to take a while. I, I I hope 
we are, I hope we live long enough to see it so that if, if nothing else, if it's back up to the way the numbers or where they were when we first started watching the game, like around 25, 30%, that would be fine. I, I'd even settle for 20 at this point in time. Right? Let me ask, let me ask you about the off season stuff for then we're going to go back circle back to what we were talking about but did, what are you seeing and what do you think is going to happen with some of the qualifying offers? I mean, uh certainly uh Trevor Barber Bowers out there, Joe Springer's out there, uh DJ's out there with the Yankees. I hope they don't um let that second baseman go. What what do you what do you think is going to happen with some of these these big time guys? Um are they going to stay or are they going to go? It's 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 funny you mentioned um, Lemayhew because Lemayhew may be the face of what this class may or may not happen because let's face it we're not going to see a Garrett Cole signing this year safe to say but see we're not we may not even see those like marginal you know whatevers um, it's because see remember teams took a hit. And are still taking a hit. You know, there's a lot of Met fans right now, and rightfully so, are ecstatic over uh, Cohen taking over. But remember, he's not going to just come in there and start spending money just to be spending money. You know, he's you know remember, they lost a couple bucks. They lost some bucks. I think a lot is going to depend on what where we're at with COVID. Come. Um, come the beginning of the year because you get the feeling that there's not going to be a lot of major signings before the end of the year. That's just, that's just my gut feeling. I don't think there's going to be a lot of big signings because teams are still licking their wounds and they're still trying to assess, are we going to be able to make up some of this money come 2021? So this is this is it, this is the most this is going to be this is going to be the most unique off season probably ever in the sense because of ta-da, COVID nineteen and, right. and 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 this is literally going to be a a, a a a hurry up and wait situation. I don't think we're going to see a whole 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 lot of crazy signings. I don't uh, you know we may get one. Maybe, but I, I let's put it this way. We may not, you know, there are a lot of big names out there. You know, Springer's out there. Like you said, uh, Trevor Bauer's out there. Um, there's a few others whose names escapes me right now. Uh, for all intents and purposes, Francisco Lindor is out there too, it looks like, through trade or, 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 or what have you. So... But a lot of this is going to be how much are we going to be able to how much of a hit can we are we going to really take and am I willing to jump in the deep end right now because I because I because it's, yeah. it's, it's it's going to be a while and see the thing about the thing about Lemayhu he's he's you know. Like, like it's like the line in the airplane. I picked, you know, I picked the wrong week to start sniffing glue. Picked a hell of a bad time to have one of his best years because he may have to stay in New York just out of whatever because no one else is going to probably offer more. And and if the and if the Yankees offer him anything, 
it may be just the qualifying uh, thing, and that's it. Yeah. Well, I hope he definitely stays. I mean, that's um, they, with that, like you said, with that lineup, they they got to get better pitching, certainly. But this could be this could be a year where the Yankees literally get outbid by somebody, and it's not going to be a whole lot. It's literally because the Yankees are saying, "Nah, we're not paying it. We're not paying it. Not this time." And and that's with and see that's the slippery slope because me personally. I just started talking to them, you know, the day after the season ended. Because I thought, I, I think, I think, you know, with all, with all, with all due respect to uh, Voight and uh, Cole, uh, that was your MVP. Because even, even, even with the injuries or whatever, he was the most. Cons- he's arguably been your most consistent player, everyday player, the last two years since he's been there. Yeah, he's a solid hitter too, and it, that's that's one of the things I like about him. He can. He uses all the, all the fields, and I I, I think you're you're right about that. And they, but they d- definitely got to get better um, in this in this starting pitching. That, I think that's that's oh, yeah. one of the that's biggest all, things they need all, to that's, that's, address. That's, 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 it's NC and NC. It's going to be a thing. of How are they going to do it? Because they're not going. You know, I mean, you know, needless to say, they ain't going to go out and you know whoever they bring in, he's not going to get cold money. But you could you would have been you would have said that COVID or no COVID. But now right. it's a matter of are they going are they going you know take a bite out of uh, out of um, Trevor Bauer are they going right. to take a bite off of say I mean see what they may wind up doing see, see I guess the other the other question is do you uh, are they going to re up uh, Tanaka see that's 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 the that may be even more intriguing than the whole um, the Mayhew thing because if you don't bring you know you don't bring back Tanaka who's your number two guy because you know I mean on paper you would say it's Severino but again he's coming off of an injury yeah I don't um, you know me I'm not a big Tanaka guy so that long ball just really bothers me they all do it but I mean Tanaka to me just kind of in the most inopportune time um, gives up that big volleyball home run all the time and uh, so I'm not a huge Tanaka guy but I mean with that being said you bring in somebody that's um, a little bit better maybe you take more pressure let's take the pressure off him you knock him down as like your number three or four guy you bring in a, a number two guy to go with cole springer would be really nice um you know uh uh when 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 you have that that rotation and then of course uh you know the the, the back end has got to be consistent too you know so uh yeah. it'll be interesting though it it, it will be as a as a you know what, not not to get too far off subject Tony Larusa, really? I was I was gonna text you about that. The dude is a hundred years old. He coming back managing. He's like a hundred and fifty years old. What is that about? The White Sox that well, desperate? I just don't well, see to it. Me, to me, to me, to me, it's a hell of a step back. I mean, look, I get it. You yeah. weren't happy with. I get it. You weren't happy with Renteria. I get that. But I don't. I don't think Tony Larusa is the guy for a young team. If this was a veteran team, if this was a veteran team, I would be whatever. I, 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 this one, you know, 
I don't I like hope- either one of those uh, those that, that you got the Larusa coming in. He uh, again, you got you got uh, um, black ball players, former black ball players that can come in. You you got him coming in, and then look what Detroit did. Like you gonna bring in the the, the cheat gate guy? I mean, what did? I don't well, understand well, what you're well, trying well, to do. Well, 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 well put this way, Joey Cora better get hired then too, because because yeah. quite, quite, quite frankly, I think Joey Cora was a better manager. I just what is Boston needs to just bring him back? Like it's all dead and it's all under the bridge now, and just go ahead and 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 hire Joey Cora. And, uh, um, but but they Tony Larusa again. You talk about. It may not be nepotism. I don't know if he's got any family in it, oh, but no, the no, fact no, he's, he's coming well, see, back. Well, see, it's 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 he's far. I mean, you know, when he last when he last managed them, I mean, it was like Ron Kittle and and uh, Britt Burns and Greg Luzinski, and I know there's people that's listening saying, "Who the hell are those guys?" <laughs> Right. <laughs> That's how right. long it's been. When I heard like LaRusso, I mean, I know he was still, I believe he was still doing uh, like either scouting or whatever for, I think either, I think he was scouting for someone. I forget who. Might have been with the A's, might have been with the D-backs. I'm not sure. I know he was still scouting for someone. But yeah, this, this one, this one, I mean, to say you didn't see that one coming is is, is an understatement. That that to me, I mean, I you know, I'm I'm not sure what they're trying to. I'm not sure what they're saying to their team. I guess maybe they think they need some old school whatever, and I. I that's a that's a. That's a head scratcher to say the least, and and I I'd, I'd even I I think I need two extra heads just to scratch it just to scratch right. even more. Right, you can't justify it. I mean, you could we could come up with all kinds of speculation, but the dude hasn't managed it forever. And like I said, I just believe it's taking away a, a job, you, you know, from some guys that that play the game that that can come in and and manage. Totally, you don't bring in a guy that's been out of the game that long with a young team. You're well, right. Well, I just well, don't make any sense. Technically, technically, he hasn't been uh, with that franchise. It's been forever. Now, technically, he's only been out of the game as a manager for about um, what's two thousand? When the when the Cardinals win it? Two thousand twelve, I guess. Right, twelve, something like that. Right. So technically, it's only been about eight years or so. Say this. Say this, you know. You know. Let's say. But still, that's that's like, man. And I know the white, you know, yeah. and I, and it was probably White Sox fans are like saying, okay, all right, we'll you know we'll 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 see how it plays out. But I think behind them, but I think behind the scenes they're saying, what? Yeah, that that it doesn't make any sense. Let me ask you this: as we we always talk about final question, we always talk about sports being a microcosm of of you know, society. Um, what do you see? Not, I mean, listen, we, November 4th is going to be me- messy because of the, the dude, the orangutan occupying the white house and his opponent, 
we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I'm I've gotten more. I just said it earlier to you. You wasn't on the broadcast. I've got more hate stuff now than I have in a year. One guy said he was going to lynch me. I laughed. I was going I was going to give him my address so he can come lynch me, right? But all that hate is out there. So what do you see? From the LeBron James and some of these people after it, it uh, assuming, you know, either way, whether it be the do occupy the White House or Biden winning, what do you see from sports in terms of how they're going to react to all of this? I mean, um, I think look, if you're if you're if you're if you're active, you're going to be active anyway. The, the great, you know, I don't think, and, and maybe I'm naive. I don't think the election is going to change that. If you're already of that mindset, you're either going. I mean, you're, you're uh, this way. You still should do anything because, again, it's you know, it's 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 the it's the fourth it's the second annual you know lesser of two evils vote again. Right. And so, so even 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 uh, you know even if the fool gets beat, we still got work to do. We still got there's still right. plenty of work that that needs that needs to be done. And C plus, he's already basically said that you know you're gonna you know we're gonna we're gonna it's gonna take an army for me to leak us all. The best you could hope for is that he gets beat like a fat man at the circus, so that leaves no doubt at all. Because if right. it's relatively close, he's going, you know, he's going to go into his petulant child routine and 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 and, and drag it out. So well, you, you hope, yeah. Again, for the sake of you know, for the sake of whatever, you hope that whoever wins, that it's. You, you know, basically, you know, where you're hoping for, People. like, you know, well, this way, you're hoping for Reagan Mondale so that the thing is over, like, by, like, 930 at night, where it's right. obvious that he's, that whoever loses is, is getting their ass kicked. Because if it's right. relatively close, you know, he's already basically, you know, look, he's, look, he's already basically said, that you know he's not gonna go go peacefully, which is which to be lets you know what kind of person he really is. As well, if you didn't, that fool, as if you didn't know before. Right. So if that fool does lose, the question that black folks need to ask is if if the fool loses, the racist narcissist man loses, and so he won't make America great again. But you have a Biden who says, "Let's go back the way it was." So, do we want to go back to getting uh, getting our ass beat by cops and getting killed? Do we want to go back to whatever? I mean, if that's that's what we're back to, and see and see that that and see that's that's the problem here because. Look, here's the thing. My thing has been the last two years. The last, not the last two years, but the last two elections. I am sick of the whole, you know, lesser of two evils because I'm not right. trying to put evil in the White House. Right. And 
at the, yes, is 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 Joe Biden a better alternative than Donald Trump? I guess, but is it still worth voting for? That's right. that, that's, well, that, that's that's the problem. That's the problem. I mean, you know, and you then, put a gun, you put a gun to my head, I probably would rather vote for him, but he guarantees us nothing. He guarantees Yeah, that dude's got to that, that dude definitely got to leave the 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 White House. Um but like I said, if if we going back to the way it was under the Obama administration, the way it was wasn't right. So we need to get it even better than where where it was. If that's if if that's what they're talking about. And shame on them going to Flint, Michigan and campaigning and didn't talk a damn thing about the Flint water crisis. Them people still got bad water and they come up there with no water and they ain't even talk about it. But Again, but part, part, part for the part for the course, man. Right. Part for the right. Yep. See, I appreciate you, man. I'll talk with you later. Take care, man. Thanks, man. Tony T. Mac McLean, editor in chief of the uh, uh, BASN newsroom. Uh, you can check that out. Uh, always good um, uh, information there at their website. If you miss any part of this broadcast, you can go to our website, uh, thebassinews.airtime.pro, thebassinews.airtime.pro. The T H E Bachelor with a T B A T C H E L O R News.airtime.pro. The show airs 8 a.m. and 3 p.m. Eastern Time, the rebroadcast. So you can go there and check out this and other shows there at that website. Enjoy. We'll talk with you soon. On the Bachelor News Radio Show, the Bachelor News Radio Network, and our good friends at WCOM and Chapel Hill and Carborough. <laughs>